Hello, and welcome to Recruiting Hell. I'm your host, Rob Conlon, and I'm glad you could join us today as we march through 2020 looking to get your job hunt taken to the next level and helping you avoid the pitfalls of modern employment. This is Episode 7 of Recruiting Hell, and we are coming off the heels of a very successful Episode 6, in which we saw our first guest, Katie Frost of Catherine Frost Consulting, bring you expert advice on building your resume and the big things you can do to change the way that potential employers see you. We will most definitely endeavor to have Katie back on the show, as I know we barely scratched the surface of what folks can do to their resumes, and there's a whole other ball of wax known as interviewing as well. So this week, Recruiting Hell is continuing its 101 courses with what for now is going to be the final installment of these episodes before we look to both new topics and perhaps return to one of these existing topics for more advanced techniques, the uh, 201 and 301 levels. So we've done Budgeting 101. Resume 101 was obviously it last week. Now it's time for Networking 101. These three principles are without a doubt the essential pillars of any job hunt. In episode two, we talked about my concept of brush off, brush up, and relaunch. These 101 episodes correspond to each of these three stages of getting back in the path to a meaningful career and finding happiness in what you do. Brush off goes hand in hand with episode five, budgeting 101. It's literally taking stock of what you have and picking yourself up from a failure. Brush up ties in perfectly with Episode 6, the tuning up of your resume and how you look to potential employers. Now this episode, Episode 7, Relaunch, incorporates parts of Episodes 3 and 4 with their discussion on selling yourself, as well as takes a look at what networking is and how to start the basics of it. So, you know, I made sort of a plan for this ahead of time, but I honestly didn't expect it to work out this nicely uh, with all the episodes coinciding a little bit. Uh, so there's a big bonus uh, for all of us to that. Now, to ensure that we're always staying with the theme of the show, and of course, those who are just tuning into Recruiting Hell for the first time, number one, welcome. But number two, let's do a quick review of why this show exists and why we call it Recruiting Hell. Recruiting Hell is the term that I use to describe the frustration of job hunting in 2020. If you head to any major job site or employer, there are endless opportunities. But it's gotten more and more difficult for the average person to land a job. The whole goal of this show is to give you the tools to help you find a job that brings you fulfillment and worth. Now, not everyone defines their self-worth on their job, and that's a good thing. But unfortunately, American culture places heavy value on being a contributing member of society. And of course, not hating what you do every day to pay the bills is a huge benefit to anyone. The whole goal of this show is to help you navigate through recruiting hell by avoiding the scam jobs the bad employers, the too much work for too little pay, and the mental stress of being jobless or in a position that you absolutely hate. We're here to help you keep your chin up after your 200th application with no response, your 50th rejection email this month, or a great opportunity ghosting you. Additionally, at the time of this recording, there are still more than 20 million, yes, 20 million Americans out of work due to the pandemic, or whether it's automation processes or downsizing that hit their businesses here in early 2020. Many of these people may not see the jobs they left come back as the economy shifts towards modernization and or automation processes that are either long overdue 
or maybe their position has been found to just be extra. So in a nutshell, this show is about helping people. And if I can help just one other person out there land a new position and get them out of recruiting hell, I'll call that a win. All right, let's dive into our episode here. So the first question on everyone's mind here likely is, what defines networking? Now, we could go to merriamwebster.com and grab a textbook-type definition, but that's really boring and makes for a pretty crummy podcast. Uh, in my opinion, content is not me reading you a dictionary entry. That is not valuable to you. You can do that yourself. You're an adult. Rather, let's just call networking what it is. It's using your social contacts, whether they're business or personal, to help advance your career. So why do that? Have you ever heard the phrase, it's not what you know, it's who you know? The crux of networking is making that phrase work its butt off for you. So networking at its very core involves a lot of courage and humbleness. You need both of those in order to network effectively. Now we talk about courage here, and I'm not talking about battlefield courage. Not, it's not the jump on the grenade kind of capital C courage. I'm talking the lowercase c courage. The kind that can be difficult to muster up if you're thinking about what might go wrong. This is the non-instinctual kind of courage where there's a social cost and a social aftermath. What if I say the wrong thing? What if that potential connection doesn't like me? So what? We're all human. We all make mistakes. People are forgiving and they'll often give you another shot. You need courage when walking up to people you don't know at an event, introducing yourself and asking them about what they do. People love talking about two things in life, themselves and their kids. Be sure not to ask about the kids in your first question. So this whole process of networking can be a bit awkward and difficult, especially if you're dealing with strangers. But one way I've always found to effectively break the ice works really well at conferences, uh, especially ones that they serve a meal at. And a lot of times when you're at a conference, most conference goers don't know each other. So you're all on an even playing field. Plus, with conference tables tending to not have assigned seating, you can find a group of folks that looks interesting, plunk yourself down at the table at a socially acceptable distance from them. You know, don't sit right next to the person you want to talk to, maybe across the table. And you can simply ask the ice-breaking question, Hi folks, is this seat taken? And you know what? Maybe it is. If it is, there's always the follow-up, Do you mind if I pull up another chair? If the seat isn't taken, of course, have a seat. Take a few moments. Eat a few bites of your lunch. Settle in. And then go on the offensive. One of my favorite questions to ask people is, Where are you from? And what do you do? Now, it's so colloquial, if you will, to where you're from is almost one word. What do you do is almost another complete word. It's two words. Where you're from, what do you do? But they're very easy questions that almost anybody can and probably wants to answer. You can even tailor this a little bit further. Snag the name of your intended connectee off their name tag uh, if they're sitting across the table next uh, from you and say, Hey, Bill, where are you from? What do you do? So open-ended questions here are your friend when networking. Notice that I asked Bill a where and a what. So ask who, what, where, why, and how. 
Don't ever let a simple yes or no question slip your lips, if at all possible. You're looking to get to know people and find out more about them. You generally can't find that out as easily if you just ask them yes or no questions. And this time is all about you being selfless, not selfish. Listen more than you speak, and also take the time to pause and give folks time to answer if they don't pipe up immediately. Now that last part is really important, because there are times that our brains actually need a pause to process an answer. Or maybe we're finishing the last bite of that cheeseburger. I've generally found that an 8 count, or 8 seconds, or sometimes a 10 count, is a really good starting point to give folks some breathing room. So let's find out what an 8 count sounds like right now. I'm watching my recording time here, and I'm going to ask you the question, where are you from, and what do you do? Then we'll wait and see what milestones we get to and what that sounds like. So here we go. So Bill, where are you from, and what do you do? Five seconds. This is eight seconds. And that's ten. Ten seconds to let someone respond. Now let's try it without the markers right now to give you the full silence experience. So once again, here we go. So Bill, where are you from and what do you do? Wow. That is a long time of silence, but you're listening here. You're waiting for an answer. Put a smile on and be ready to learn about someone who may add to your network at some point. That's my favorite networking technique, but right now it might be a bit more difficult to do with all those little virus griblies running all over America. Additionally, anytime you meet someone, make sure you have that handshake, that eye contact, that smile, and that you remember their name. There's nothing so sweet as the sound of one's own name, no matter the language. A moment on handshakes before we kind of switch gears here. Uh, ladies and gentlemen, regardless of, of whether you're male, female, some something else, it doesn't matter how you present yourself as long as you are professional. But when you go to shake somebody's hand, there are a couple things you shouldn't do. I know there are a bunch of guys out there. I used to actually be one of them who loved to have a bone crusher of a handshake. You know, you're, you're feeling that person's hand buckle under your your might and you're, you're making a power move on them a little bit. Don't do that. Nice, firm, strong, but not rough. And then there's the complete and polar opposite. And I most often uh, have seen this from women, but I've also seen a lot of guys do it. And that's what we call limp fish. And the limp fish is that you sort of, you don't offer your hand in a firm way. You don't stick it straight out with rigidity to support it when the other person grabs it. You kind of hang it there, uh, like a limp fish, if you will. So, uh, guys gen generally tend to be guilty of the, uh, the bone crusher and ladies tend to be uh, guilty of the limp fish. Go with that, that handshake firmly, strong, uh, authoritative, but not overbearing. You know, link those, those thumbs when you, uh, meet somebody and give them a, Hearty, but not rough squeeze. And again, that varies per person. You may want to actually practice your handshake uh, when you 
uh, are looking to uh, to network. You know, is it a bone crusher? Is it something that leaves a lot to be desired from that your hands are cold or clammy or whatever it may be? But uh, that was you know again, a little addendum, a little sidetrack here to my favorite networking technique, which is the where are you from and what do you do. So that's kind of the crash course of pers- uh, personal networking here for this episode. And again, we're going to get deeper into this. This is sort of the 101 level, if you will. Uh, now, a lot of people are going to probably ask, what about digital networking? What about uh, the things out there that we, we spend our time on, like LinkedIn and other social media sites? I'm not going to drill too deeply into those today. Again, this is a 101 course. And there is so much more information out there on how to set things up. And that's likely going to fill up, I think, episodes 9 and 10 is what I have it potentially scheduled for. Don't hold me to that. But uh, it is in the pipeline to uh, to bring you information on LinkedIn and how to do it right and how to make things uh, work for you on that social network. To start, though, digital networking is an extension of what we've called your personal brand. And we've talked about that in episodes three and four. This is how you market yourself as if you were a tiny one-person company with the product you sell being yourself. So the question then becomes, how do you present yourself to others? Are you warm, fun, friendly, trustworthy? Or maybe you're professional, cerebral, calculating, and you keep folks at a comfortable distance. Neither of those is right and neither of those is wrong. There are so many adjectives that you can use to describe your brand that it actually pays to write them down and plot out what you want your personal brand to be before you dive into digital networking. Now, this exercise can actually help you kind of narrow down how you want to be perceived online. I'd say pick no more than five adjectives to define your brand. For myself, I picked integrity, trustworthiness, outgoing, energetic, and engaging. The brand vision that you might have for yourself might be completely different than what I want to be, and that's 100% okay. Now, to give a more concrete example of building a brand presence, we're going to actually use an example from uh, my past here where I once managed a large social media presence for one of my past employers. Now, when I picked this social media presence up, we had uh, roughly 2 million followers via Facebook And Facebook was the platform to be on at the time. And times have changed a little bit, and the platforms might be different. Uh, You know, Instagram is is huge now, or I think the kids call it the gram. Uh, Or maybe, maybe they're on TikTok or whatever it might be. But the strategy remains the same. Create a persona that people will connect with online and stick to it. Don't change it. Don't, uh, Don't have it be flavor of the week or anything like that. Bake a concrete long-term persona. And you you can alter it over time. But what we're looking for is something that is a slow evolver, not necessarily something that is uh, different day by day or week by week. So the company uh, that I was working for worked with firearms and firearms education. And one of the only pieces of advice I received before starting the whole social media endeavor besides, well, don't screw up was from the lead editor at our company. And he said to me, Rob, we deal with firearms education. You'll be talking about guns and the system around them likely 24-7 for quite some time. Let me make it clear to you that when you respond to someone online about these topics, you cannot be wrong. If you're wrong, people will die. 
wow, that's a powerful motivator to create the right persona and make sure that your brand speech is on point. So here's what I took from that to build that brand, but also translate it to a personal brand. When creating that brand persona, I needed something that resonated with our audience, which I found out was adult men, generally ages 35 and up. So I had to have a strong voice that they'd listen to, something that was authoritative in the same way a trusted reference book would be. So the first word I decided on for the brand was resource, which was then quickly followed by teacher, because I didn't want to come across as pompous or holier than thou when I was writing posts. After this came humble, which actually helped to keep the brand grounded and made it a lot easier for people to talk to uh, as followers and, of course, uh, made it easier for us, us to engage with them because we were slightly more human than just a answer service on firearms, if you will. So lastly, this came in, uh, this final word came in, which was integrity. And we wanted to show that our brand would do the right thing at all times, even when we thought no one was looking. So this made up of a very serious brand. It was very... Uh, I would almost call it droll, if you will, in, in the, uh, the grand scheme of, you know, company personas. But I also knew that when I built this, that you couldn't just have this stern or, or even, even if it was humble, this reference book type brand. You have to be very careful about building those. And there are some very successful ones out there. But I, because this interacted with the general public so much, I knew we had to temper it with something that's a little bit more relatable to a human being rather than just being a reference book with a person on the other side with a keyboard. So we incorporated what I call fun loving to alter the tone of the brand, to make it be brighter and more approachable. We could joke around about a ton of things, pop culture, current events, and that humanized the brand and community. But when it was down to brass tacks, when we fell back, when we fell back to our core thing, which was firearms education, we switched gears a little bit to our other four personality traits of resource, teacher, humble, and integrity to keep folks safe with the best and most accurate information that the brand could offer. Now, that was a little bit of a long story to tell you that you can do the same thing with your personal brand, but the goal is to get you to deconstruct your personal brand in the same way that I deconstructed and rebuilt that social media brand. You might not have the same if you're wrong, people will die motivation, but you still want an effective brand that people will love. So let's take a look at LinkedIn. This is your primary brand homepage. This is your storefront. This is what people see when they come to buy you. Make sure it's not a dump. So step one, professional style headshot. I know sometimes money can be tight. But something like this can actually be had for around 50 bucks at most photography studios, or you can actually DIY it with an online guide. I simply searched DIY professional headshot and got about 1.6 million hits, many from reputable sources like HubSpot. Uh, others were YouTube videos or, or articles, things like that. There were tons of opportunities to find a way to get yourself a professional style headshot. Uh, if you've got a selfie on there, do yourself a favor, get that thing out of there as quick as possible and replace it. Because again, you want this to be a place where somebody goes and says, huh, this looks nice. Step two, 
your professional description. You know that line that says, content maker, earth shaker, cake baker? Yeah, that's a headline, if you will. You need to write one that's not only compelling, but it also states what you do. Now, content maker, earth shaker, and cake baker might be somebody else. But, for example, mine also states, you know, content creator, cultural champion, and award-winning client care. Now, these are three things that I feel I have to offer to a prospective employer. And they're things that I know that I do very well. So notice that I use words that elicit an emotion. Creator. Champion. Award-winning. These are drivers to your brand. Find ones that paint a picture in your mind. If I say champion, you have an image in your mind of Tom Brady winning the Super Bowl, Aaron Rodgers winning the Super Bowl if you're if you're not a Tom Brady fan. Uh, you have an image of David slaying Goliath. You have uh, a 300 Spartans, you know, those are the champions, you know, somebody slaying the dragon, whatever it might be. That word champion can paint a thousand different pictures. Creator as well puts you into a a group that is different than, you know, your run of the mill. You actually make something. Hey, I make this podcast. And lastly, award winning. Uh, who doesn't want that in their business? Who doesn't want to be able to tout that they have among the best people out there to take care of their customers? So again, these three headline uh, bullets, if you will, you know, in my case, content creator, cultural champion, award-winning client care, or content maker, earth shaker, cake baker, are the things that you want employers to know you for. And they should elicit that emotion. They should be incredibly powerful storytellers in very few words. So at step three, add your relevant experience to your LinkedIn page from the last six to 10 years. And I say six to 10 because you might have stated a job for a significant amount of time, or maybe you've been uh, in and out of some jobs that uh, that don't really apply to your modern interests, if you will. You know, if you were a lifeguard uh, in high school and you're just out of college now, there's a, a fine line uh, to draw between experience and jobs that people just maybe don't respect in that case. And as much as uh, I respect people who jump into the water when somebody's in trouble, uh, it's, it's one of those things where you want your experience on there to be a showcase of your greatest hits. Don't let any clunkers in there. Uh, to give you a little bit more of an idea of what I mean is, remember when you used to buy a music album, whether it was a CD, a tape, or maybe even an LP? Unless it was a greatest hits compilation album, there were likely to be both good songs and bad songs on that album. And I seem to recall most CDs that I ever bought, they had one or two really monster hit songs. You, one if was standard. You got lucky if it was two. If you got really lucky, it was three hit songs. Then you got a couple that were kind of like, eh, okay. And the rest of the songs were either really niche or just kind of bad in the first place. So don't make your work history like that. This is a, a greatest hits album for you. A highlight reel, almost, if you will. Again, don't necessarily skip uh, any of the time period, but make sure that if you have something on there that it really sparkles. Step four kind of goes hand in hand with step, th step three. Be honest. Never lie on your brand page or your resume, for that matter. 
This goes without saying, if you can't back up a claim with either true stories or real actionable numbers, don't put it out there. Uh, I would say that if you have a claim to make, expect an employer to say, prove it. And make sure you have that proof ready to go at the drop of a hat. So lastly, step five, don't be afraid to connect to folks. Uh, you can actually usually import like your contacts list or your email list, which is kind of neat. And for the love of God, when you do connect with people, please, please send a note with that connection request when you do it. As I was actually writing this step of this script, I saw my LinkedIn had a connection notice and I'm like, Ooh, that's pretty exciting. But this person didn't send me a note as to why we should connect. You need to let other people know what value you have to bring. Now, again, you only have like 300 characters to do that, but that's a good two or three sentences. So I looked at this connection request and we had no common connections. There was no note. We lived in completely different geographic areas. I'd never seen this person before and I'm going to myself, this is a scam account. This is a scam account. However, since I was writing this episode, I went against my better judgment and I actually hit the accept button and gave that person the benefit of the doubt. I know I've been in that position where I've sent a connection request and it's been like, ooh, I should have sent a note with that. Uh, I gave her the benefit of the doubt, but it did turn out that indeed this, uh, this person was a spammer. Um, so make sure that whenever you want to connect with somebody, that the people you want to connect to know that you're real, who isn't the, a real person who isn't there to sell gold or whatever kind of scam is, is being peddled these days. And, you know, we'll have an episode about scams because there are so many of them, <laughs> but we'll go through more LinkedIn steps, uh, in future episodes. And we'll show you why curating your brand page is so important. But for the very least for now, this is kind of your homework, if you will, for future episodes. Go to LinkedIn, and if you haven't already, get your profile set up. LinkedIn has a great profile wizard that's going to give you kind of next steps to up your profile game, make it more visible. So be sure to follow that uh, to the letter. Uh, one thing I will say that is really a uh, a knock that I have against LinkedIn for this is that they will not give you the premium uh, or the best rank of profile uh, searchability and uh, completeness unless you actually have a current job. And I think that is exceptionally uh, unfair to people who are on hard times or who are between work. Uh, just because you are not currently employed does not make you any less valuable than somebody who is. So there's that. Uh, again, you can't get to the, the I think it's all called all-star rank without actually having a current job. So just be aware of that. Uh, one other pitfall of LinkedIn is that it does have uh, a monetization component. You know, they, they have to make money to stay in business. And uh, that used to be called LinkedIn Premium, but I believe it's now called LinkedIn Sales Navigator. And I've dealt with this uh, this platform a lot. And unless you're a salesperson looking for leads or, or ways into companies and connections, I'd actually really recommend avoiding that part of the platform for right now. And that's not because I don't like it. I actually really do like it. It just happens to be quite pricey for what you get. And it doesn't generally do much to help you with the actual job hunting part of LinkedIn. And I say this as somebody who's used this for, I think, about two or three years uh, out of the past four, 
It has a ton of other great uses for like sales prospecting, which it really excels at. But for now, if LinkedIn wants to sell you premium or, or sales navigator or whatever the next uh, levels up are, go ahead, take the trial, but stop at that. So our last stop on the branding journey that we're on for today is twofold, but it actually has to do with the same concept. And that concept is fear. The first part of this is when it comes to branding yourself, when it comes to creating your online storefront, if you will, for yourself, don't be afraid to try new things. Is there a new social platform out there that just launched? Get on it with all the cool kids. Connect with that person on LinkedIn that has the perfect job you want, as long as you send a note with that connection request. Reach out to communities online for job hunting and promotion. I know for this podcast, there are message boards that I post on weekly to get more eyes on this show. Try everything. And if it fails, don't be afraid to try something new. The other day, I actually listened to Tony Robbins. Uh, he had a big program uh, about relaunching yourself. He made a huge point about people who win. And he said, people who win only win because they keep playing. Losers tend to quit. They tend to give up. They tend to stop. And I thought about that for a while after I heard it, and it was actually really impactful even to myself too. And it's not just because Tony's an electric guy and he's somebody who I'd, I'd really enjoy meeting someday, but because it makes sense. If you stop playing the job hunt game, you will always lose because you've stopped playing and the game goes on without you, whether you like it or not. Now, the second part is don't be afraid to ask for help. We as human beings are a social species. We help each other and we've done that for thousands upon thousands of years. And asking for help takes courage, lowercase c, courage. Because we also have a need to not be seen as weak. Let me tell you though, asking for help isn't a sign of weakness. It's a sign of strength to overcome the ingrained feeling in the human psyche of being weak. It's a mastery of emotion, biology, and social standing. Asking for help is hard. Hands down. You need to have the courage to do it. And oftentimes you'll find that the response from other people is one of awe and not disdain or disgust. In conclusion, building your brand takes effort, savvy, smarts, and really a good dose of humility in a lot of cases. Be sure that when you ask somebody to take a look at buying you, there's a product there that they can connect with or can be impressed with, whether it's because of your qualifications, your character, or your willingness to be vulnerable. All three are valid reasons for an employer to see the best in you. Now, this wraps up our episode for this week. Uh, we'll definitely be revisiting these topics down the road, especially LinkedIn, uh, because we did really scratch the surface about this. Uh, the good news is that we're getting into uh, a phase here. I have another guest lined up uh, for episode eight here, uh, and I'm really eager to uh, to talk to her. Uh, she should be a very exciting guest as well, much like uh, Miss Katie Frost was from uh, last episode. So, 
If you have questions, comments, feedback with us here at Recruiting Hell, you know the drill. You can drop us a line at Podcast at gmail.com, or you can follow us on Twitter at Recruiting underscore Hell, our Facebook fan page, or hey, now we're on Instagram at Recruiting underscore Hell underscore podcast. So if you haven't subscribed, followed us, shared the show, please do give it a like, give it a subscribe, whatever it might be. I'd greatly appreciate it, and I know there are millions of Americans out there that could benefit from learning more about how to power up their job hunt. They're likely your friends and neighbors. Let's get them helped out. Finally, as always, we thank Purple Planet Music for our theme, and you, the listener, for tuning in. I'm Rob Conlon, and until we meet again, keep moving forward with your self-betterment and your job hunt. Remember, it's a marathon, not a sprint. And recruiting hell will be here to help you keep pace.